This is Transistor.fm. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2021. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. Follow along as we continue to build Transistor.fm. Have we been doing this since 2018? Uh, like, did we start this show in 2018? I don't know. I don't think so. We could or is this, easily find. Is this, like, is this our second year or our third year? Let's see here. Good question. I'm sure we could, if only there was a way we could figure that out. First episode is February 16th, 2018. Oh, wow. So That's three years almost. Yeah. That'll be three years? That just does not seem correct. No, it doesn't. Does it feel, it, it, to me, it feels shorter. Like now I'm in the period of time where it just feels like, no, we've only been doing this for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, it seems shorter. Uh, the you know even just thinking back, like when you launch something new, especially when you're doing it with somebody else, I remember having these feelings of like flying to Chicago that that first time. You and I had met before, like we had a a friendship before this, but yeah, just and staying at your house and just being like, holy shit, we're doing this, and it's weird. Like we're navigating this new experience and this new relationship as co-founders and just remember like that, just the weirdness of it. Uh, yeah. Like, was it weird for you too? It was, yeah, it was weird. I mean, I don't know. I think we both feel comfortable around each other, but yeah, it was still, we definitely taking a leap. Yeah. Taking, yeah. Yeah. The scent. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. No. No, and, and and I don't know what I don't I I can't really put my finger on why that is, but it's not, I I mean even since you were here in Chicago, we haven't really seen each other that much. Like yeah, four or five times maybe. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that plays into it? Like one one thing I'm jealous of is Ben Ornstein and the Tuple team. They're all in uh, in Boston, and so they do regular founder retreats and meetups and. Uh, overall, I've, I'm pretty excited about building a remote company and getting to live where I want to live and having the flexibility. But the big downside to that is it, we don't get to see each other as much. Right. That is a bummer. COVID didn't help. No. And COVID, yeah, COVID <laughs> really did not help in that in that case at all. Yeah. I mean, uh, that that's interesting because certainly in 2021, you can build a company with anyone around the world. And there's lots of good things about that, right? Uh, Paul yeah. Jarvis and Jack Ellis are on opposite sides of Canada. Um, trying to think of other teams I know, but you know, like it's, it's not abnormal now to start a company, a remote company where, um, you know, DHH is in Miami and, and Jason's in Chicago. Right. Yeah. I think that'll be certainly going forward. That's probably gonna be the norm. Yeah, the only downside would, is, yeah, you don't, you just don't get to share as much uh, FaceTime, real life right. FaceTime, 
yeah, even like outside of the outside of work time. Yeah, and that because when we're just hanging out, like when we're just walking around Portland doing whatever, there's something about that experience that's quite rich and really has nothing to do with business, but does it's like um maybe it's just like like life is holistic it's not like um you and i could just hang out in a business context and that would be enough like getting to enjoy friendships outside of work and getting to enjoy non-work things yeah that was yeah that was always a huge part of work for me is getting to know people you work with and building friendships and hanging out outside of work yeah so yeah it, it is unfortunate that we can't do that you know what's the answer for people building remote companies or what are some ideas like how can how can we deal with this because i, I mean <laughs> especially for you like you like for me i i was like always like eager to get out of the office for whatever reason maybe i just didn't yeah. like the control or people looking at my monitor or whatever uh, but for you like you really enjoyed that that social connection like that was mm-hmm. a key part so what do you think is the answer for rebuilding some of that or or I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, maybe working out of a co-working space. I mean, you do that now. I don't. Um, but that doesn't help our relationship really. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Part of the success of this is that we haven't had that. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I've worked with friends before and it didn't really work uh, out. Justin, if I got to know you better, this really would not work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that I don't think that would be the case, but like limited exposure. It's like there's still a separation there, which is I don't know. I guess there could be some benefits to that. Yeah, no, I I do actually agree. You know, being able to leave the office and it's like if you and I had a disagreement about something, and it's just very easy. It's like it's not like I'm going to see you at the bar later, and then it's like right. like it's like we get a full like twelve hours apart, and then we come back. And also, sometimes sometimes Slack is terrible for interpersonal relationships. But sometimes yeah, it's, it's nice. Just like, yeah, right. Because <laughs> sometimes it's like, you know, you can, you're, you don't, sometimes it's n- nice to, you know, not have to have the full fidelity, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like text messaging. I mean, it's hard to, context doesn't really come across necessarily. And sometimes that's good and sometimes it's yeah. bad. Um, what, what do you think it would take to, to get you to move to Canada? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) You know what I should do? This would help. This is my, this will be my evil plan is I'll, I'll buy your parents a really nice retirement place somewhere like super fancy, like they could not resist it. And then we'll get your parents to move here. And then, you know, (laughs) Uh, th- there you go. Th- then the, 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 the pull will be stronger. Yeah. <laughs> if, sure. If, he'll try that if, out. If John's yeah. parents are listening right now, DM me and, uh, just send me some pictures from Zillow. S- send me your dream home. It has to be in yeah. Canada though. <laughs> next to a, next to a trout fishing river. Oh, well, okay. Tra- trout fishing. Now that I know, now that I know the, the, you know, the appropriate hooks here, I, I mean, I, I think we can, and I mean, they're in Michigan, right? That's that's practically Canada. It's basically, I mean, they grew up in pretty much Canada. Okay, all right. So you know, maybe a nice place in cottage country, <laughs> up in Ontario. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. 
Let's work on that. Let's work on that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I I think I mean I think air air, air flights are still open, but um yeah, I've I honestly I have no idea. And honestly, one one huge benefit is uh now that Trump is out of office, um I I just did not want to go to the states. Like it just I it I get it. It didn't feel yeah, good. And I was always worried about like I was not a Trump fan, and I was you know often critical of him on social media. And I just didn't want like be going through TSA and have someone looking through my phone and then go, oh well, we're going to bring you to the side room and uh, put on the rubber gloves or whatever. Pledge your allegiance to Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna make you squeal, son. Uh, and I, I already know how I act under <laughs> under pressure. I crack pretty right. quick. <laughs> <laughs> have I this is a side uh, this is a side story but have I ever told you the story of uh of getting confronted with a burglar at my snowboard shop uh I don't know okay so this is my early 20s and it, it's just you know this is a, a scenario that I actually fantasized about a lot like oh what if someone breaks in while I'm at the shop, you know, and in my mind, you know, I take control. I'm like, I, I have my voice gets deeper. I'm like, hey, what do you think you're doing here? And I, I look really, um, you know, intimidating. So one night I'm working late. It's probably like midnight or something, and everything's dark. Uh, I was doing some paperwork in the basement, and the basement of the shop was really creepy. It was like an old building. So I'm down in the basement doing all this paperwork finish everything. And I have this big box of files, like massive that I have to take home. Yeah. And so I walk up the stairs and then I, uh, I kind of push the front door open to get out and standing there is, a a big figure with a, um, a crowbar like up, up to like <laughs> hit me. And, you know, after all that fantasizing about what I would do in that case, what ended up happening was me just going, this is the sound I made. <laughs> no, like, hey, what do you think you're doing? No, like, me throwing the box aside and, you know, punching him in the right. face. Putting, putting your fists up. No, it was just, <laughs> and, and just crumpling on the ground. Like, I was just, I, I went into the fetal position. Yeah. and That's probably a normal reaction. And, uh... It turned out, you know, in skateboarding and snowboarding, you, you deal with some pretty, pretty uh, out there characters. And this guy, Mike, was on our team. Like he was a sponsored skateboarder, but he was, he was definitely a little bit wild. Like he was a little bit, uh, you know, kind of a wild guy. And he had driven by the shop and we'd been broken into a couple of times and he saw the light on and he thought someone was breaking in. And apparently he just carries a crowbar in the back of his car for these. (laughs) So he, he thought he was apprehending an intruder. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's Uh. like, you know, maybe later we could talk about the, some of the challenges we're having right now with uh, customers, but at the very least, we're probably not going to have to deal with somebody attacking us with a crowbar. I don't think, I guess that's the benefit of not having a physical office. Yeah. <laughs> Storefront, yeah. I just, I love that because we always play the tape in our head of like, oh yeah, this is what I'd do. I'd like, 
you know, you've always got aviators on and like uh, fire right. going on behind you. <laughs> Not reality. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to fly there again. The border's opening up. And uh, yeah, well, I haven't been there at all yet, so I gotta, yeah, do yeah, totally. I, I mean, you still can, John. That, as far as I know, you can still fly over, you, it would, you'd have to quarantine for a bit, but that's true. So, I've been spending a lot of time on Clubhouse uh-huh. and uh, the social audio app. And uh, I was, I was telling you, um, it, it's interesting when, when. These kinds of apps are nascent. I think it can sometimes be worth to invest a little time and be early just because a lot of the gains you might get are come from being an early adopter. So, you know, the the first bloggers uh, maybe weren't the best bloggers like Kotke and Merlin Mann and all the all those people. They really built a lot of yeah. their platform by being some of the earliest bloggers. Right. Yeah. They they built a huge audience because there was kind of nowhere else to go. Yeah, right? exactly. And do we really think that Joe Rogan is the best podcaster ever? Or was he just early? Uh yeah, I don't know. Has he been has he been around for yeah, that long? Yeah, he's been around for quite a while. I, I mean nothing again, Joe Rogan, whatever. But I'm just saying being early can help a lot. And, you know, a lot of the folks who join Twitter early, you end up getting recommended, you end up getting, you know, there's all these kind of feedback loops that help. And a lot of building traction, uh, both, you know, in your career, building a following, building your network, building traction for your startup, is taking advantage of these arbitrage opportunities when things are ascendant. So there was a lot of SaaS companies that, uh, let's say 10, 20 years ago, built their business on really cheap AdWords. So that window was open and people were like, oh, I'm going to, every, every 10 cents I put in, I get five bucks back. Like this is, I can do this forever. And mm-hmm. uh, so, th- and it's worth taking advantage of those opportunities when those windows are open because now, uh, AdWords are really expensive and far less effective. So yeah, I've been spending some time. Uh, I was I was telling you last night I was in this roundtable with all these folks like uh, uh, Justin Constein, who's one of the uh, he was with TechCrunch for a long time. Um, a bunch of VCs, uh, you know, just a bunch of folks in the um, in you know in tech and startups, but also who are interested in podcasting. And we were talking about Apple building the uh, their new podcasting, uh, maybe like paid subscription platform that people think they're building. Right. And uh, I got invited on stage and, uh, you know, got to say a few things. It was interesting how many people were listening. I got a bunch of DMs after from, uh, you know, folks like Steve Wilson and uh, former head of partnerships at Apple and say, Hey, I heard you on the stage. So all this to say, it's interesting. It's ruining, it's ruining my, my home life a little bit because, <laughs> because uh, you know, spending too much time talking on the yeah, internet. It's like, it's like I'm in a conference call that just never ends. Yeah. Which is one reason I think these apps have a limited 
shelf life because so is it is it has it proven beneficial i mean yeah are you getting something out of it is it a thing for is it marketing for transistor or is it yeah i mean i think right now again while this window's open uh i'm learning a lot i'm able to do a lot of customer research because there's like every day there's like five podcasting rooms where people are coming on and asking questions sharing in an unprompted way what they're struggling with um there's certain questions that just come up over and over and over again and uh the only like people can view your profile and they often will especially if you get on stage and the only options there are to follow you on twitter or instagram and i'm just getting tons of uh followers Mm. on both from from clubhouse and able to follow up with conversations and so we have we've gotten some customers out of it, uh, but I think for, as a research tool, it's interesting, and I think as a networking tool, it's interesting. Hey, do you want to start your own podcast? Head over to Transistor and use my coupon Transistor.fm/justin. You'll get fifteen percent off your first year of podcast hosting. It's it, it's less audio entertainment and more like networking. It feels like going to a meetup. Hmm. So if you and I went to a meetup in San Francisco and, you know, like there's a bunch of VCs and a bunch of people from Apple and a bunch of people from Amazon and they're all there like interested in podcasting. Yeah. And we got to meet. I suppose. Yeah. It would be like that. I suppose part of it, part of its popularity too is just everyone stuck at home. Can't do those meetups. Can't go to conferences. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of, people have uh, described it as the uh it's like the the hallway track in uh at a conference so and for someone like me like that gets fired up with about that kind of stuff like i love it like i could it's like oxygen for me i've been i didn't realize how deprived i was of of, uh (laughs) this kind of uh this kind of interaction yeah so yeah i've been finding it helpful also i think picking up themes you know um especially venture capitalists. I don't, I, it's, it's surprising to me, um, how off I think they are in their estimations, especially of the pro the podcast industry. Like folks are like, people were so bullish on this Apple move, like thinking that they're going to, you know, go into paid podcast subscriptions. And I'm like, l- like the entire podcasting advertising market is $1 billion. Yeah. And, how, like, if we were going to guess, uh, the entire paid podcast subscription market, Luminary, Sam Harris, Supercast, everybody, I mean, I would be surprised if we're at, I don't know, even like 100 million would be, that would right. be surprising. But for a company like Apple, like what was Apple's Apple's annual revenue? Like, this is this is not a big enough business. Their annual revenue is two hundred and seventy four billion. So even if they were able to build something that created more value than all podcast advertising combined at a billion, that so let's say they double it, they get two billion. Is two billion worth it for them? I don't think so. I it's probably it, not. and it's just it, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, who knows what? It's probably a bundled it, whoever. I don't know who knows what it's going to be. Some bundled app that's part of their Apple One subscription that it just keeps people in their ecosystem. Yeah, I mean it's that's 
ultimately, yeah, they have it. Services are huge for them, but they still make most of their money on hardware. Yeah. And I also think that there's a misalignment. Like if this is the case, like strategically, if this is what they're thinking, it's misaligned because it's not a big enough magnet to attract people and keep people in their ecosystem. So like this is what I think we mentioned this last week with Spotify. You know, analysts are looking at Spotify's investment into podcasting, $500 million. And they're saying there's no more premium subscribers than you had before you started this experiment. And there's no more app users than when you, before you started this experiment. Yeah. John, $500 million invested in this experiment. You, you, you start to question me when I spend $100 on Reddit ads. <laughs> <laughs> I do. How are those working out? Uh, uh, let me check the campaign. So far, uh, no conversions, but uh, you never know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Where, I don't know where all that's headed. I mean, I could. Who knows what they're going to do? If if it's something like you can add your podcast to Apple and sell it like an app, mm-hmm. then there's probably something there. But who knows? Yeah. And again, but the, like, why would Apple get into that business if, like, let's say they attract I don't know ten thousand subscriber, ten thousand subscribers, which would be, I mean, that would. 10,000 subscribers, given that the entire podcast ecosystem is just over a million shows. Um, you know, like, how, how much of that market could they convince to switch, you know? It's not like software developers right. or app developers, where there's millions and millions of software developers who are highly incentivized to get into the iOS app ecosystem. Podcasting is just different. It's small. It's pretty small. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes puzzled by the the amount of like kind of inflate inflated yeah. valuations uh, folks are getting here. Right. Yeah. Well, if anything, I mean, you spending time in there is probably good for for us, kind of getting ahead of what's next or what to work on next. Or I mean, things will change, no doubt. So we'll have to do something different at some point. No, if if people have if their target market is using Clubhouse, I highly recommend it because you can just go into a room and listen, and you, basically, like for us, I get to listen to our target customers all day long, talk about their struggles, talk about what they like, talk about what's motivating them to get into podcasting, and those are real key insights when you're thinking about how to develop the product how to yeah. switch your marketing. And also for me, it's just, um, you know, when I'm in my office by myself all day or even just talking to you, like this gives me all these new inputs that can ignite uh, a little bit of passion in my day and get me fired up to like pursue something or, you know, talk to you about building something new, right? Right. So... Yeah, I I think uh, it's been a worthwhile experiment so far, but I do see a limit on this because yeah, people are hanging out. <laughs> Don't let it consume your well, life. And people are hanging out in these rooms for eight hours because sometimes to get them going, you just have to be there a long time. And so the the level of time commitment that's required, honestly, I think it's going to create a lot more podcasters because <laughs> they're going to be like, well, I like speaking and having audio, but spending eight hours a day on this platform is killing me. Yeah. Hmm. Why don't we, um, so one of the, the folks 
on this call today that I did, this this clubhouse room, I did a SaaS room. He was a listener, Azer. Um, he was saying, you know, he's been missing the show, missing having us talk on a regular basis. And he's like, you know, you, I, and I said, well, I don't know, maybe our narrative arc is kind of coming to a close. Like we're just, we did the thing, we built the SaaS. And he's like, yeah, but what about your struggles now? Like what, how are you trying, you know, how do you scale a SaaS? How do you grow your revenue and your team and all this stuff? And I thought it was interesting because uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but I I just, at this point in time, I actually don't have a bunch more aspirations other than I just want to grow slowly and organically. Like, I still want us to grow. I I think slow, steady growth has been really nice. Yeah. Um, And... You know the the financially uh, having the freedom to do the things I want to do in my life, pay off debts, all that stuff has been amazing. But yeah, it, it made me think about how like your aspirations really follow your values, like what you value, and uh, it, it really seems like uh, we've aligned around a few things. And yeah, I'm curious to what to hear what you think. We, we touch on this every once in a while, but... Yeah, we do. Uh, kind of where we want to end up and what we're doing this for. Yeah, like, is... And maybe, I mean, maybe this is a good time to bring it up again. Like, if you're kind of consistently feeling like, you know, I'd like to work with some people again, um, maybe that's a, a, a sign that maybe we should think about hiring. Uh, although every time I ask you about hiring you yeah i don't know if i'm at that point yet i mean i think there's other ways to kind of work with other people but uh no i mean i think for me it's i enjoy the building part mm-hmm. right i enjoy the process of creation yeah of a thing that helps people um i would i i, I think most i mean you know most founders probably align with that yeah i mean you enjoy building the thing, you are, you know, maybe you feel good about what you're doing and how it's helping people or helping the world or, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously part of it is, part of it is the financial aspect and being able to support a life that you want. For me anyway, and again, these things can change and I'm not saying, like, I certainly hope that you and I individually are just like, I hope we never get like just stagnant. Like we want to continue to aspire for other to yeah. other things. But there's just some things I really value right now. Simplicity over growth. And that means like small teams. That means keeping the product as simple as we can. That means, um, re- you know, reducing complexity whenever we can. We, I had someone on Twitter today say, hey, is there any way you can take payment over PayPal or direct debit? And I said, yeah. like, PayPal, just thinking about that alone, PayPal would add so much complexity to our business. Yeah. It might be easier than it used to be, but like integrating with their API was never super fun. And the amount, yeah, the amount of work that would take for the handful of people that have requested it is just, I don't, it wouldn't, it's not going to be something we release that's like all of a sudden a flood of people sign up. Plus, yeah, it would add on. Uh, just another level of complexity. And even being in this clubhouse room today, there's a lot of enterprise SaaS people. 
And John, talk about coming from different planets, like <laughs> Bootstrap SaaS and Enterprise SaaS. I, the, 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 there was a running bit where they would use an acronym and I would be like, hold up, I got to look that up. I, I, you know, everyone take a drink. Uh, I have no idea what this acronym means. Um, yeah. And the, you know, the, the challenges they're having at their level, like they're like, okay, we want to we wanna scale to $20 million in ARR. And I said, okay, well, you know, I'm, and I'm, maybe they're at like, I don't know, 8 million or something. But they have like 25 to 50 people already. And I'm just, just listening. And that fires some people up. Like some people just love that. But I hear that like, and all I see is like having to manage those teams and manage those people and hire and have more complex yeah. processes. And it, it just doesn't seem like a good life. And on the, if we set out to build some massive, whatever billion dollar company, mm-hmm. we would have done that, but it would have been an entirely different lifestyle. Would, yeah. I mean, and then we couldn't make fun of those people anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like if, if where we wanted to end up was selling our company or going public, then like, that's just, that's your focus. And it's entirely different than what we're focusing yes. on. Yes. I think. And honestly, I, I don't think our criti- our criticisms of those businesses are unwarranted. To me, investing $500 million in, in uh, an ecosystem and substantially changing it, you know, maybe for the worse, um, and not having anything to show for it is a colossal waste of resources just for society. And the the willingness for and maybe I just I know you know I'm hearing Landsman right now he's t- he's probably thinking oh Justin you're so naive um, you know it's like Jason Calacanis when I did that interview with him he's like he, <laughs> he was so uh, uh, dismissive of me you know just like you don't understand there's so much money in the world like money wants to be gambled and. Hmm. But to me, it just seems like a colossal waste. If it takes you $500 million and in a sequence of bets in order to get to that bet that's going to get you the 1,000x growth, like, is that really the best use of society's resources? Is a bunch of, you know, uh, rich dudes spending money trying to 1,000x their money? It just seems like a waste. <laughs> And I would way, I get way more fired up about the, whatever it is, the 1 million or 2 million plus uh, bootstrappers, solo founders or co-founders, small company people who just want to have a good life. I get way more fired up about them uh, getting a chance than Bezos risking whatever it is, 100 million on a bet that might not pay out and then just writing it off as right. like, well, guess we're, that's, you know, that'll be my one investment that didn't work, but maybe the next one will. Just seems like a waste. Um, like if you really wanted to do societal good, then just invest in more bootstrap startups. Right. Or indie startups or however. Give your, give your employees a raise. Oh or yeah. And then, yeah, give, give <laughs> your employees a raise. The indie 
makers, the indie creators, the indie entrepreneurs, the freelancers, the uh, you know the small agency owners, the small software company owners, the solo devs working in their basement trying to build a better life for themselves. That's, I think that's where I I get excited, and there's always going to be a place for bigger companies, but. Um, at this point in history, talking about windows opening and closing, the window is open for where independents actually ha- still have some leverage. Mm-hmm. Honestly, again, I, I've mentioned this a few times, but if I was Apple or I was Amazon or, I mean, Twitter just did this. They, they just uh, bought out the breaker team, didn't acquire the app, just, you know, just hired the people. That's a good move. Because yeah. these people building these indie companies are are effective at a scale like talk about one thousand x returns. Bootstrapped founders get one thousand x returns. They they create so much value. They are they are uh, are so efficient, so effective at a scale. Like every time I run up somebody run run up against somebody in a bigger company, I'm just like, how do you how do you folks even go to work every day? It's so slow. It's so yeah, ineffective. It's, I, yeah. Hopefully the breaker team is allowed to like kind of work on their own to some degree and not be caught up in the whole Twitter like bureaucracy. Yeah. I but. mean, we have, we have, there are, I, I don't really want to say any names, but you know, there's a major uh, trillion dollar company that just got into podcasting. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like your implementation is, I just do not understand. Is is there is there so much? Are you in? Are you so stuck? Is there is there so many so many things gumming up the? Like how do you move? And when I talk to people who work for these companies, that's their biggest complaint. It's just like, yeah, I can't move fast. Uh, that would be frustrating. Yeah. Like on a bad year, as like our principal software developer, you you out execute. Like we are able to execute at a level that just seems so far ahead of some of these other people. Yeah, it would be... I've never really worked for a company like that. Yeah, what's the, what's the biggest company you've worked for again? I did an internship in college for Motorola, but that was... Oh, yeah. That I got I got a glimpse of that world, and I was like, nah, I'm not... I'm not yeah. Familiar. Um, I The biggest company I've been at is probably like 35 people or something, maybe. 40. Yeah, yeah, me too. About About that, yeah, 35, 40 people. Well, if you're in that world right now and you want to get out, I just want to say, <laughs> I do think now's a good time. Even, I'm not saying bootstrapping is easy. I'm not saying starting a SaaS company is easy. It's really hard. But the the window is open right now. Two-person yeah. teams can execute at a really high level. And I actually disagree with Spencer Fry. He he says he he has a lot of bad experiences with bootstrap companies like, the product's not great or the customer service isn't great. My experience is that the you get better customer support. And sure, you got to pick and choose. Not every bootstrap founder is a great product person. But a lot of the software I use is really well done, mm-hmm. especially considering the resources. I, I just signed up for right. SavvyCal, uh, Derek Reimer's new thing. It is so good. Like, he is a software craftsperson. We use Tuple. Tuple is excellent. It's got problems, yeah. but 
you compare it to like Zoom, which has whatever it, billions of dollars in in market cap and and uh, tons of resources. This small little team that's under ten people is able to execute at this really high level. I'm I'm bullish on small software teams on really good product people that honestly alone or with a partner or with a team of 10 people can can execute at a level that is just that seriously competes with companies that have a hundred or a thousand people. Yep. I would agree with that. So t- take sure. the moment, Indies. I, I believe in you. <laughs> you know, I was gonna I was gonna say we should talk about this last thing, but let's let's just end on that. Any anything else you want to chat about? Not really. No. It's a good it's a good end to Beauty. That. Well, let's let's give a shout out to our indie friends on Patreon. Yeah, thanks everyone. Thanks everyone as always uh, on Patreon. We have the Take It EV podcast, Ethan Gunderson, Diogo, Chris Willow, Mason Hensley, Borja Soler, Ward Sandler, Eric Lima, James Sowers, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley, Russell Brown, Evandro Sassi, Freddie Yumna Schembecker, Noah Prail, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray, Josh Smith, Ivan Kirkovic, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis and Jack Ellis, Dan Buda, my brother, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schuchert, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta. Junta. We got we we got to get we got to hold on we got to get Junta back on the show. We got to see how he's doing. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. I don't know what's in, up. What's up with the uh, the food kit yeah. business? Junta, if you're out there listening, you know, reach out. Have your people contact our people. Let's let's uh, let's have another chat. <laughs> and finally, Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm Justin and get 15% off your first year.